Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.net. By the way, we're starting the show a little bit early this morning. I'm having eye surgery, uh, cataract surgery later uh, this morning. Well, I mean, coming early, so I'm going to start the show just a little bit early. We've got a lot to talk about. We have great guests, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Boo Mortensen will be joining us right here on the Paradise Coast. Seed Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And if time permits, I will visit with Linda Harden, author of Greetings from Paradise. It is November the 17th, and on this day in 1777, Congress submitted the Articles of Confederation to the states for ratification. The articles had been signed by Congress two days earlier, and after 16 months of debate, bickering over land claims between Virginia and Maryland delayed final ratification for almost four years. You know, the old saying is, if we work together, there's plenty for everybody. If somebody gets greedy, there's not enough for anyone. Well, that's what happened between Virginia and Maryland. Maryland became the last state to approve the articles on March the 1st, 1781, referring them as an outline for the official government of the United States. The nation was gotten until the implementation of the current U.S. Constitution in 1789. The critical distinction between the Articles of Confederation and the U.S. Constitution, the primacy of the states under the Articles, is best understood by comparing the following lines. The Articles of Confederation begin, uh, To all to whom these presents shall come, we, the undersigned delegates of the states. By contrast, the Constitution begins, we, the people of the United States, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The predominance of the states under the Articles of Confederation made it even more explicit by the claims of Article Two. Each state retains its sovereignty, freedom, and independence, and even power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this Confederation expressly delegated to the United States in Congress assembled. Less than five years after ratification of the Articles, enough leading Americans decided the system was just inadequate to the task of governance. They peacefully overthrew the second government in just over 20 years. The difference between the collection of sovereign states formed a confederation and a federal government created by a sovereign people lay at the heart of the debate as the new American people decided which form of government they would take. Between 1776 and 1787, Americans went from living under a sovereign king to living in sovereign states to becoming a sovereign people. The transformation defined the American Revolution. Great story and great uh, understanding of what happened over those years. Many people don't realize from 1776 to the 1789, quite a period of time for things to kind of get settled with how things are going to run. Well, let's talk about COVID. On Monday, there were 81 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Cuyahoga County. There were 64 uh, COVID patients in Cuyahoga County hospitals and capacity at hospital. There's plenty of it. Uh, of course, as we move into season, that's going to reduce. But nevertheless, uh, the uh, plenty of beds left. Seven-day average for cases, 93. Remember, the low was about 34 average new cases, seven-day average. Uh, the high was at about 221 back in July. 
Now, uh, Collier st- uh, students are back to school. About 48,000 students are enrolled in 50 traditional public schools, seven charter schools, and two technical ho- colleges and then alternative schools. About 3,200 teachers are employed in the district, and about 26,800 students started in brick-and-mortar schools this fall, and that number increased, increased on November the 2nd when parents made a decision to send some more kids back to school. About 78% of Collier students are learning on campus this quarter, according to the district. That's a big population of uh, students and teachers, and I mention that because to date there's been 223 cases that have been reported in Collier schools. The school district confirmed 820 Collier County students have been quarantined so far this year. Uh, to close contact with positive coronavirus cases at school didn't mean they all got it. it just means they were w- around people that got it. So uh, to me, those are pretty impressive numbers. The uh, number of cases has gone up, but uh, quite frankly, not as you would expect with all these kids uh, intermingling and back to school. Uh, so I think it's pretty good news here on the Kaya, uh, Paradise Coast. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average of S&P 500 soared to record closing highs yesterday after Moderna, Moderna, I should say, became the latest major drug maker to announce upbeat data for its COVID-19 vaccine candidate, building on hopes that an effective inoculation will soon be available, perhaps by the first of the year. The Dow rose more than 450 points, although it looks like this morning could be given some of that back. Uh, futures down about 160. Well, from California to Pennsylvania, governors and mayors across the United States are ratcheting up COVID-19 restrictions amid the record-shattering resurgence of the virus that is all but certain to get worse before the holiday travel and family uh, gatherings begin over Thanksgiving. Many governors are making pretty draconian decisions about how to handle this, but the Michigan governor, for example, Gretchen Whitmer's administration on Sunday ordered high schools and colleges to stop in-person classes, closed restaurants to indoor dining, and can you imagine eating outside in Michigan at this time of year? Suspended organized sports, including football playoffs, in a bid to curb the state's spiking coronavirus cases. Dr. Scott Atlas weighed in on this. He's a special advisor to the President Trump about this coronavirus. He tweeted to his 90,000 followers on Sunday that citizens should rise up against new Michigan COVID-19 restrictions. He tweeted that on Sunday night. The only way that this stops is if people rise up. You get what you accept. He later followed that up with a tweet stating, he never condones violence. Hey, I never was talking about all the about violence. People vote. People peacefully protest. Never would I endorse or incite violence. Never, he tweeted. I guess somebody inferred or said that he was suggesting that. But he's absolutely right. We're so I'm so grateful. We should be grateful that our governor is saying, "Hey, we trust the people. You make decisions. You you know your health. You know your neighbor's health." Just take care. Please be careful. Wear masks if appropriate, uh, if you need to, uh, but otherwise, uh, social distance. I just think the governor is providing great guidance here us for us here on the Paradise Coast. And by the way, the latest coronavirus numbers from the CDC raise more questions on the seriousness of the China virus. According to the CDC, now let me repeat, repeat this. This is according to the CDC's website. There are 26,557 heart attacks listed as coronavirus deaths. That's right, 26,000 heart attacks listed as coronavirus deaths. They shouldn't be. And there were 7,919 accident and poisoning deaths listed as coronavirus deaths. 
The CDC also revealed in their latest numbers that the hospitals have been counting patients who died from serious pre-existing conditions as uh, COVID-19 deaths. So uh, again, these numbers are inflated. Why? I don't know, but it certainly makes me suspicious of the numbers that are presented to us with regard to COVID-19. Anyway, we're, uh, we're presented numbers right now about statistics on where we stand in terms of counties and so forth. The only thing that matters is flattening the curve and make sure we're not overwhelming uh, the healthcare system. And we're not here in Collier County. Deaths, obviously, are a concern, but deaths, we're not seeing uh, big spikes in deaths either. And some of those deaths, of course, as reported by the CDC, may be related to other symptoms and other diseases. The Rasmussen reports daily presidential tracking poll for Monday shows the 52% of likely U.S. voters approve of President Trump's job performance, 47% disapprove. Those are great numbers considering everything that's going on right now. Uh, In fact, uh, we know that uh, if you take a look at the CNN and some of these other websites, they're asking why the president doesn't uh, resign. President uh, um, Obama suggesting that perhaps... uh, He's, uh, ter- he's tyrannical. He's talking about Donald Trump. Unbelievable. He has a right to protest these very, very, very draconian results and uh, fraudulent results from the election. Big, big rally on, sun- on Saturday. Big rally on Sunday as well. The rally on Saturday was very peaceful. A lot of joyful people out on the streets, over a million uh, encouraging the president to continue the good fight against this fraudulent election result. Well, the Black Lives Act Matter activist and registered child sex offender was arrested for allegedly sucker-punching a man and leaving him bloody in the streets after a million-dollar mega-march in the Capitol on Saturday. 39-year-old Kenneth Dwayne DeBerry of Washington, D.C. was charged with aggravated assault, disorderly conduct through inciting violence, and being a felon in the possession of a gun. When the Metropolitan Police Department took DeBerry into custody, officers found a handgun on him. Now, why am I talking about this? Seems like a minor kind of thing considering what's going on. To me, it's just reassuring to see that there are consequences for this kind of behavior. He's not the only one. There were 21 other people arrested. Uh, Pro-Trump rally earlier today with peaceful attended by thousands of attendees, but scenes of violence erupted in the late afternoon and evening as the people began to disperse. Uh, one 28-year-old was arrested for disorderly conduct, inciting violence and possession of a prohibited weapon. She had a taser. Another uh, unknown address was addressed uh, was arrested for simple assault and was arrested for disorderly conduct. President Trump brought the attention to the assault by tweeting, "Human radical left garbage did this. Being arrested now." Metropolitan police are still seeking three additional suspects and are asking the public's help in identifying them uh, as well. Well, Americans are less likely than they have been since 2016 to call for increased gun control. The latest majority, 57% in the U.S., who call for stricter guns, stricter laws covering the sale of firearms, mark a 7 percentage point decline since last year. At the same time, 34% of U.S. adults prefer that gun laws be kept as they are now, while 9% would like to see them less strict. Important information, when you start thinking about what's going around, on around the country, it makes you think that, hey, who's the first responder here? Well, we're each first responders, and I think it makes a lot of sense to have some protection in your home at a minimum, and perhaps carrying uh, concealed carry uh, when, when uh, perhaps there might be danger around. 
The Trump campaign is a witness who will present for the creation of Smartmatic systems when it was used to steal at least one election for Hugo Chavez. Now, just take it a step back here. I mean, there's un- unbelievable, unsurmountable evidence that uh, this election result was fraudulent, and these results should be overturned. There's a couple of different ways we're going here. Right now, as according to Rudy Giuliani, and I'm no legal expert, but uh, first, the first line of attack, of course, is questioning the state's results, having recounts, audits, and so forth. I don't know what kind of a result that's going to get, and I suspect it won't be as impressive as a result, as we'll see uh, with, and I don't know what court this is going to end up in, perhaps the Supreme Court, pre- presenting to uh, a court of justice federal court, uh, the results that we're seeing from this, from this election. Now, in this one case, Sidney Powell, who's one of the lead attorneys on this case, he says, she says, I've got a firsthand witness. In fact, I've just emailed you an affidavit. I think she was talking to uh, Mark Levin at the time from a witness that can be used publicly. It's redacted in some places, but he uh, was present for the creation of a system for the specific pur- purpose of falsifying election results for Hugo Chavez and then Maduro. They exported this all over Latin America. It's the Smartmatic and Dominion systems that were built to do this very thing for changing the results of elections. And he realized these things were happening the way they were, particularly in the states, and suddenly went down. They'd stopped counting of votes. It was because the need, need was so great to President Trump that they had to go in and do a separate reset on the machines to have them come out for Biden. That's right. I mean, so she's, what she's suggesting here, that uh, she has a witness who's seen how this thing was built. And not only that, uh, she uh, also says that it was re- used in the election to reset, uh, to come out with better results for Biden. Gateway Pundit, Pundit has discovered another unusual pattern in voting reporting in at least two states. They've identified at least two states that after large entries were made, which provided for a lead for Biden, all subsequent entries for that period of time had the exact same unusual ratio of Trump to Biden votes. They reported last night that in Virginia, now this is not even a a state that's being contested, but it should. I guess I would think all states should be contested. The entire result should be thrown out because of the fraud that's been perpetrated here. Uh, And that should, should happen with the Supreme Court. Anyhow, in Virginia election, a number of large vote transactions or entries were recorded and reported to a voter data feed used by multiple big data companies to keep tabs on the election. Then after the large entries were dropped, the ratio of Biden to Trump in most all the remaining data feeds were exactly the same ratio. Overall, three entries of over 300,000 votes were posted in the database in Biden's total vote uh, total. Two entries of over 300,000 votes were taken away. The same happened to President Trump's total, but in much smaller amounts. Overall, 851,000 votes were added to Biden's totals and only 318,000 were awarded to Trump between 11.14 p.m. Eastern and 5 a.m. on November the 4th. This resulted in an overall million more votes net going to Biden and 73% of the votes during that time frame. What's really odd about these entries are the huge negative entries, one entry taking away 330,000 votes from Biden and 37,000 from Trump appears to have been reversed, an entry a few minutes later at around midnight, and then at 1226 and 1230 a.m., an entry into the amount of 308,341 from Biden and 80,357 from Trump 
were posted and reversed the exact same thing, same amounts. A few hours later, another 230,000 votes net were added to Biden's lead. So in other words, there's a lot of things going on inexplicably, uh, the results being changed, and that's because there is a back door to the system, and through the Internet, changes were being made in order to increase Biden's lead or in to, to take away votes from Trump. These reverse entries look like adjusting entries. Anyone in the accounting profession is aware of entries posted in error that are reversed and replaced with the proper entries and amounts. Why the hell would Virginia need to make these types of entries in their own voting system? There's no logical reason except for fraud. And then these entries noted by were recorded. Nearly every entry made into the system for the presidential election had the same proportion of votes of Biden to Trump. This, too, is not reasonable. There's nothing random about this. It's highly, highly unlikely that the results of all these entries would be the same proportion. That's right. This exact percentage proportion, it indicates a fraud. So uh, well, we're not going to talk any more about this right now. I'll take a little break here, but uh, we'll come back and talk more about what's going on in the election and what's been found out by a Trump team lawyer. We're going to do that and more. Oh, by the way, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840. Or visit the website, nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. Find out more by visiting the website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we're going to continue the discussion around what's happening with regard to this election. We mentioned that the, the, the most probable way to get the, uh, the uh, election certified is through the judicial process and probably at the Supreme Court because the case is so big, taking a look at so many different uh, patterns of fraud in this election used through this uh, software, Dominion Software and Smartmatic uh, uh, software as well. Well, Trump team lawyer and executive director of American Center for Law and Justice, Jordan Seculo, 
tweeted an exclusive article from the Buffalo Chronicle that suggests that alleged boss of the Philly mob, Skinny Joey Merlino, may be ready to flip on Democrat Party operatives in exchange for full expungement of his decades-long criminal record. In addition to tweeting the link to the Buffalo Chronicle, Seculo tweeted, Follow all leads, election 2020. From Buffalo Chronicle, an associate says that Merlino might just be willing to flip on Joe Biden and the Pennsylvania political operatives who ordered up some 300,000 election ballots marked for Biden. The source alleges that a Merlino and a lean team of associates manufactured those ballots at at least a rate of $10 per ballot, a whopping $3 million for three days of work. They were then packaged in nondescript cardboard boxes dropped off outside the Philadelphia Convention Center. Sources who spoke for the Chronicle on the condition of anonymity said that Merlino picked them up. These ballots from two private households where a trusted handful of associates were busily marking ballots with Sharpie markers. They were paid more than $1,000 per hour, often producing thousands of ballots every hour for more than 60 consecutive hours. Can you believe this? The ballots were purchased in cash. It's thought the Democrat Party, Party operatives working inside Philadelphia's election office provided Merlino with crates of raw ballots just hours before the polls closed on election night, which he transported to two private households in South Philadelphia. By 10 p.m. that night, Merlino's operation was already generating more than 3,000 ballots per hour, which quickly scaled to more than 6,000 ballots per hour before midnight. Now, Merlino just might be willing to flip on Biden in, in primetime congressional testimony if President Donald Trump is willing to issue a longtime mobster full expungement of his decades-long criminal record. And, of course, Merlino wants to be pardoned for the election fraud itself and any crimes to which he may incriminate himself during his testimony. Jordan Seculo appeared on uh, Newsmax this morning with it when he discussed the latest updates on what's happening re- related to the uh, illegal votes in Pennsylvania. There's nothing in this article in the Buffalo Chronicle. Would Trump lawyers tweet it? I don't think so. A pretty, a pretty amazing story. The mob involved in creating ballots, 300,000 ballots, ballots for Joe Biden. Also, uh, you know, what's ever happened to this uh, uh, Durham investigation? Let's change to that topic. Well, Jim Jordan, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, reported on Sunday having numerous talks with the Justice Department. Mr. Durham is doing his work. I expect some kind of report real soon, Jordan said when was asked by Maria Bartiromo on Fox News after the criminal inquiry into the Russia investigations. He didn't provide specific details, but I think this is important that he said this because there were stories that saying, suggesting by Wall Street Journal, or not Wall Street Journal, but New York Times, and others that, the, that uh, Durham is dropping this case certainly not the case. Durham was appointed by Attorney General William Barr more than a year and a half ago to investigate misconduct by federal law enforcement, intelligence officials, and others related to FBI's inquiry into the links between Trump's campaign and Russia. So far, the prosecutors secured one guilty plea from a former FBI lawyer. Democrats and the national security veterans have criticized the DOJ inquiry as a politicized weapon that Barr can use against the president's political adversaries. Trump and his allies hope Durham will uncover evidence and there'll be a coup to undermine, there was a coup that, to undermine his campaign and administration. Well, it was about Durham dissipated in early October when it became clear there would not be any major indictments or a report before the election. Some have raised concerns that a Biden administration would bury, uh, 
Durham's findings, President-elect Joe Biden is poised to take office in roughly 65 days, of course, if this, these results, these fraudulent bogus results are confirmed. Like you, I'm frustrated that it didn't happen sooner, Jordan said, but look, you can and I can, can't prosecute anyone. We can't indict anyone. All we can do is just get the facts out to the American people. The Justice Department has to do that. I'm hopeful they'll be uh, going to have some real soon for the American people. You know, there's a lot on Bill Barr's plate for sure, our Attorney General. We're talking about the Durham investigation. We're talking about uh, the uh, fraud that's been perpetrated during the election here. Uh, it's going to take real resolve and courage on his part to get to work through all this. Uh, also, uh, he was asked to respond to congressional testimony last week by former FBI Director Andrew McCabe expressed regret about signing off on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act application seeking continued authority to wiretap uh, Trump uh, advisor Carter Page. During a CNN appearance on Friday, McCabe made the stunning assertion that secret Russia investigation documents that Republicans hope will get declassified risk casting the president in a very negative light. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's, still, he's still working at it, isn't he? I don't put a whole lot of stock in what Andy McCabe is saying right now about the investigation he launched four years ago, Jordan said. Interesting story. And back to, uh, back to this. this. This is an incredible story. Incredible. In 2010, Eric Coomer joined Dominion as vice president of U.S. engineering. According to his bio, Coomer graduated from the University of California, Berkeley, with a Ph.D. in nuclear phys physics bright guy, but this guy's a sociopath. He was later promoted to voting systems officer of strategy and security through Coomer, had been removed from the Dominion page of directors. In a stunning interview conducted by Michelle Malkin, uh, Joe Ottman, he's the Faith Education Commerce United founder, revealed how he infiltrated Antifa and how during a conversation with Antifa members, he discovered Eric from Dominion was allegedly part of the chat during a week of September the 27th. Ottman explained that Eric was telling the Antifa members that they needed to keep up the pressure when Ottman asked, who's Eric? Someone answered, Eric, is he's the Dominion guy. So what are we going <laughs> to... So somebody asked, what are you going to do if, uh, in so many words, using expletives, Trump wins? Ottman paraphrased how Eric, the Dominion guy, responded, don't worry about the election. Trump's not going to win. I'd made blanking sure of that. Now, I don't know if this would hold up as evidence in court, but again, it's just more and more information that uh, suggests that this election has been fixed and used. This Dominion software was used to take votes away from President Trump and give votes to Joe Biden. It's just inconceivable to me that uh, Biden could end up getting more votes than Trump. When you take a look at the, for example, a million people showing up on Saturday, 11 people wouldn't show up to see uh, Biden speak during one of his quote-unquote campaign events. It's just uh, inconceivable. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Casting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, St. Matthew's House is a terrific organization. They just opened uh, Lulu B's Kitchen, uh, full kitchen, full dining uh, for breakfast and lunch. Uh, really compliments of the uh, Holacek Family Foundation. Uh, Lulu B's Diner, of course, right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. I hope you tr- uh, stop by, pick up great breakfast or lunch there. You can have it right there at Lulabee's Diner, or they have uh, Uber Eats. Uh, you can have delivery, too, of uh, your breakfast or lunch as well. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. I understand you're up in Tallahassee. I am. Today is the uh, organizational session of the legislature. Uh, sort of a ceremonial um, event where we come together to, um, you know, even though everyone who's elected on um, on election night becomes the you know, in the office that evening, this is a ceremony where we actually take the oath of office and that kind of thing. It's kind of it's just more ceremony, but it's very very cool. <laughs> now I know that you are president elect of the Senate. Is it going to be this year? No, my term. Would uh, begin in uh, November of 2022. All right. So uh, Wilton Simpson from Trilby, Florida, is uh, going to be sworn in today as uh, our president for the next two years. Well, just I think just acknowledge the the uh, influence and reputation that you have up there in Tallahassee. I think it's just absolutely terrific that you've gotten garnered that uh, that respect there in in Tallahassee. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. So. Uh, any hot, st- yeah. One thing I want to ask about is the the governor has suggested that there should we should beef up the uh, defend uh, stand your ground law. 
And I think uh, I really like what he was suggesting because I think it sends a message to anybody that wants to come down here like from Black Lives Matter Antifa. You do that at your own peril. What are your thoughts? Um, well, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding and uh, misinformation because I'm getting a lot of um, mail from from everyone. I mean, not just uh, people who are supportive of standing around that law itself, but uh, others who are concerned because there's a there's like rumors going around that what the governor wants to do is just allow anyone who feels that even if their property is um, in in uh, you know somebody's attempting to you know either vandalize or whatever that they have every right to shoot people for that, yeah. which we don't allow. Right. Um, it's only if you're protecting yourself personally, and so there's been a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation. The problem we have is well, first we. Uh, there is no bill that has been filed. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of chatter about a concept that we don't, uh, we don't have. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the way I look at it is until someone files it, then all this rumor is just that rumor. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is I was reading through some of the, I was pleased to see that there were consequences for some of the people who are beating up on those that attended the Washington rally on uh, Saturday about right. 21 arrested and uh, when i saw the crimes that of they course. committed i mean to me uh, that how do people protect themselves i mean if you happen to carry a knife or you carry a gun or a bat or something like that you yourself could be convicted for trying to protect yourself in that domain well we have the stand your ground law itself allows you to protect yourself mm -hmm. with even lethal force if you are being threatened personally Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, and, and, and the question I have, and I haven't seen, again, there's no legislation that's filed, what does the governor have in mind? Because our, our law itself is, is pretty, um, uh, pretty specific in terms of being able to protect yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the, the discussion is whether that uh, um, authority, ability to protect one's personal self, you know, could, could be extended just property. Mm -hmm. And I think that most people that I've talked to uh, are not are not in favor of that uh, that concept in and of itself because you know you don't want to meet uh, somebody trying if they're not assaulting you personally and if they're just um, committing vandalism or property damage, you can't should not be able to use lethal force. that would not that would the, there wouldn't be a concurrent, um, penalty yeah. for um, that. So the devil will be in those details. Yeah. Um, because we all acknowledge that no one can, should get away with being able to loot, rob, you know, some of the pictures that you see of people um, doing that. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm, look, I'm a peaceful guy. I don't... <laughs> I don't right. want to see. I don't want to see those types of crimes committed against anybody. On one hand, on the other hand, I would love to see a message sent to these vandals that are operating in, in uh, uh, Oregon and other places that hey. Don't come down here because you're not going to like the result. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's that's the message that I think the governor wants to get out. It's but the the um, the rumors and and what have you have gone way beyond that and mm. have gone ahead of of his uh, concept. Because I don't know, I've not talked to the governor, yeah, and I've not even talked to his staff, which is. Usually when he has a concept that's something that could be controversial, somebody from his staff would reach out. So I don't know how far uh, far formed his 
thoughts are, again, no bill has been filed. I don't even know if there's a bill in drafting. Um, we've got so many other issues in, uh, that we need to address. And the, the, the reality is, at this point, we have not had any um, uh, incidents like has been going on around the country, yeah. mainly because I, I think our law enforcement are, are very proactive yep. and uh, supportive of our of citizenry, citizenry and and public safety. So we'll see what happens with yeah. that. I don't. I really don't know. Yeah. Well, that in and of itself might be enough, and maybe. Uh in any event, right. I, there's a lot of slips between the cup and the lip, and you know, getting to the point of having mm-hmm. signed legislation, it's a, <laughs> it's quite a, quite an effort. So uh, I would imagine the big thing on the table right now in, in, in this legislative session is going to be addressing what has got to be huge deficits going into this budget session. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the deficit numbers hover between $2.5 million and $4 million depending on, um, uh, you know, the, the outcome of, how much money we'll have left from the CARES Act, that kind of thing. Um, we, you know, we are going to have to take a deep dive into the base budget. We're not going to be able to fund a lot of the projects that we've uh, typically funded in the past. And, um, you know, that, that's just the, that's just where we're, we are. And we're not going to raise taxes. Mm-hmm. That's something that nobody supports. And so we're going to have to make do with less. And, and, and honestly, we have, we have to be a little bit more, um, you know, we, we have to more accountable the people that are, or, or entities, agencies, uh, organizations that are receiving uh, state funding have to be accountable for how it's spent. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to be one of our, the thrusts that we have. Well, thank goodness that we had, uh, for example, Governor Scott coming in and had a strong uh, conservative legislature for all these past years right now because right. it just put us in a, such, I think, a stronger position to deal with these issues than some uh, place like, you know, say, New York, Connecticut, uh, California, and other places. I, that I agree completely. Yeah, because our deficit is not, um, uh, and we're not looking for, for funding to actually shore up um, uh, overspending in the past, because for the for the last eight years we have been um, actually in the last ten years we've been fiscally responsible, and yeah. and that and, and now and now is paying off. Because we won't have to cut as much as other states, nor will we be at the mercy of the federal government as other states are for things like funding pension pensions and the like. Well, yeah, just that just reminds me of Illinois. They've got a huge, and actually, it's not actually clear, it's not transparent how much debt there is with regard to funding uh, those types of uh, programs. Right, so it's yeah. it's just incredible. Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. I just genuinely appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Boo Mortensen. Time to find out what's new with Boo. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the 
intimate courtyard garden or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thank you for offering to clean it. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you're doing great programs, including policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be down back down in Florida, and I'm happy not to talk about COVID and politics yeah you're having a little bit of covid fatigue and a little bit of a election fatigue too i i you know what you're absolutely what would you like to talk about all right baseball what do you think about what the miami marlins did they hired the first woman general manager yeah no that is just really uh, i think it's terrific uh you know first and foremost i hope they hired the best person for the job and it turned out to be i don't know how to pronounce her name it's her last name is spelled NG. <laughs> There's no vowel. So in any Nig? event. I don't know. Nig, Nig. I don't know. Yeah, but anyhow, I, don't, I haven't taken a look at what she's accomplished and what she's done, but I, I have every belief that she was the best person for the job, and she'll do a great job for the Marlins. I think she will, too. You know, I read a huge article in the Wall Street Journal about her, and she has been in baseball for years and years and years. I mean, she's just not a newcomer that they've brought in. Mm -hmm. She has, you know, her whole career has been involved in baseball, and I think it's outstanding. It's really kind of unusual that a male-dominated industry, a sports industry, would do something like that. So good for them. Good for them indeed. And, uh, you know, the Marlins have started to get some respect. That's good to see. I think they, they did okay in the last season. I'm not sure. You know, and uh, of course, when they were purchased uh, just a few years ago, they were really in the basement. So they're coming along, 
and I'd look, it'd be great to see the Marlins have a great season and uh, develop a good team uh, here on the Paradise Coast. By the way, speaking of baseball, did you see that Tommy Lasorda has been hospitalized? No. He has to be, what, in his 80s? Well, he's got to be. But one of my, if you go to <laughs> YouTube and just do Tommy Lasorda rant, <laughs> just look up Tommy Lasorda rant. It is the most unbelievable thing filled with expletives I've ever seen in my life. But then, yeah, it was just classic, <laughs> cl- classic Tommy Lasorda. It, it made, you know, he's just a character. And he was a great manager, of course, for the Dodgers. When we were living, by the way, in Southern California, went to a lot of games uh, that were managed by Tommy Lasorda. So uh, I hope he gets well. I hope he gets, gets better soon. Yeah. Speaking of sports, did you watch the Masters all weekend? I did, and that was uh, just, you know what, that, that Dustin Johnson, he was just amazing. He has just nerves of steel. He must have ice water in his veins. He's just programmed. Yeah. He was just programmed to win that thing. It was amazing. There were almost no errors in his game. I know. It, it, was, it was peculiar to watch mm-hmm. because you're so used to seeing it with all the beautiful flowers yeah and this it had its own beauty you know fall and trees and you know still beautiful but so that was a little peculiar and to have no crowds yeah you know I, I i think that crowds feed the enthusiasm and the excitement of it yes and to have nobody there it just kind of seemed like wow you know it's like you know when they played when they play these sports sort of to empty stadiums, you kind of wonder, what are they thinking? Does it seem peculiar to them? Yeah, well, you know what's annoying? To, well, first of all, this comment about the Masters, in spite of the fact that no crowds and, in fact, the beautiful azaleas weren't blooming and all the things that happened during the usual Masters, I thought it was a fantastic tournament. It was just great to see these people performing at the level that they're performing. And how about, uh, and I've forgotten the German guy, but he's 63 years of age, qualifying for the cut. What is his name? Oh, Bernhard Lager. Lager, yes. yeah. That was it. He was playing along with a guy that was 40 years younger than him and beat him. <laughs> so I know, I know. Yeah. He was. I mean, he was the hero of the day. The other thing that I found sort of unusual is uh, Tiger, who got a 10 on a par three. I thought, you know what? That's my kind of game. Yeah. it's a, you, ne- you very rarely ever see something like that. You never see that from someone like Tiger. No, that's so right. So I thought, God, see? But on the our o- world. Yeah, but on the other hand, Tiger has really mellowed. You know, there was a period in his career just a few years ago where he would get he got upset through his clubs and he was doing... Th- and finally, that uh, the bear, uh, the golden bear, spoke up and said, hey, you know what? Uh, Jack Nicholas said, uh, maybe you ought to watch your behavior a little bit. Get called out by Jack Nicholas. That was pretty special. Anyhow, his demeanor, even in spite of getting a 10 on a hole, a lot more controlled. Uh, he, he's, uh, I just really respected him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's maturing. Yeah. Age he- has a lot to do with that. Okay. That's a great uh, segue into the last thing that we're going to talk about, which is. The average person starts to be starts to feel old by what age? Wow. Average person starts to feel old at what age? Hmm. Well, I know there's a midlife crisis around 40, so it can't be then. It's probably I'm going to say uh 75. Oh my god. I wouldn't have said that old. 
but, you know, and then you wonder, is age a state of mind or, you know, what is it? Uh-huh. Uh, no, the average person starts to feel old by age 47. Get out of here. Really? That's what I said. I wanted to say, oh, grow up for God's sake. You're in the peak of your life. Get over it. <laughs> it's true. Well, you know, uh, I retired a number of years ago and started doing this, which I'm really enjoying. I just have so much fun uh, doing this. Uh, but I, I look around and, uh, you know, there's so much life left. And I admire people that are still working in their 70s and 80s and still, you know, being productive. It's just amazing to see. I think some people kind of turn it in too early. Yes, I do too. Well, because they can, because they've got the financial wherewithal. But don't you, I I mean, I think if you retire early, unless you have very rewarding hobbies or something else to develop or work on or start a nonprofit, I think just retiring early can leave a void. I, I think it can be trouble. And, you know, golf is, to have golf as your main hobby at that young age, yeah. boy, you're in for a life for the rest of your life of frustration and misery. That's right. Well, the old saying is that the purpose of life is to have a purpose. And no matter what your yes. age, if you don't, if you don't have a purpose, I mean, it can, it's, uh, it's just not good. I think it's important to uh, have something to get up in the morning. And, and uh, life should be a balance between challenge and support. In other words, having loved ones around you, people that are, uh, care about you and so forth, that's important. But also having... Some, something that you're aspiring to achieve, no matter what your age and no matter how small right. it might be. I think that's just really critical to having a full life. you got to keep the juices flowing. That's it, boo. <laughs> well, you know, I started the show early this morning because I'm off to get uh, my second eye done for cataract surgery. So, uh, kind of Oh, ex- how did the first one go? Well, you know what? I can see very well through it. In fact, I don't even use my glasses now, even though I get... I get tired reading. I don't have to use my glasses to do it. So uh, first one's okay. Do they put a lens in? Pardon me? Do they put a lens in? They put a lens in, and uh, so I'm I'm grateful for this process. And, uh, well, hopefully all this will go well today. It's a bigger deal than I thought. When I first went there, I thought, well, I'd just sit down in a chair and he'd come up. No, I mean, you they're sticking uh, intravenous uh, fluids in you and all kinds of things during this operation. No, uh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's a real, you're in a real situation there. We're sticking some, I mean, it's, uh, it, it surprised me. It didn't take long, but it surprised me all the preparation and the things they did, did in order to get me ready. Did they give you a boopy? Yeah, that's exactly what that intravenous thing was. <laughs> <laughs> the boopy. Yeah. Boo, it's always a pleasure to get your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, Bob. All right. Have a good day. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Modeling. We're going to find out what's, the, with, uh, uh, what's new with Seton. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do 
you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare welfare and back to work. Visit the FGA.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Seton Motley. He's the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and every freaking rock we turn over there's more yeah in fact you wrote a great piece uh, about the uh, anti-constitutional wars the deep state defense department i want to talk to you about that before i do though what just cutting to the chase what's going to happen with regard to this uh, challenge to the election well, he, results he, this is this is what i was afraid of before mm-hmm. and i'm less afraid of it now the the instances of voter fraud are always anecdotal, and the old expression is, you know, anecdotes don't add up to data. Uh, You needed something institutionally wrong with the system Mm -hmm. to really flip enough votes to, you know, because if they bring in 100,000 votes like they did in Michigan, with only Biden checked, and all 100,000 ballots are all for Biden and only for Biden, and you go, well, that's absurd, That's, that's ridiculous. There's not a lot of incidences of that size number being cheated. Um, what you needed is something institutional. Well, now you've got Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, two of the uh, lawyers working on, on, on this post-election overtime session, saying that the, the Dominion voting machine flipped millions of votes from Trump to Biden. Yeah. Now you're talking, because that's not, you know, I'm a poll watcher and I saw them, you know, throwing away ballots, or I'm a poll watcher and they kept me out 
of the of the room while they while they brought in more more ballots. This is institutional, and there's a uh, track record. And I don't know if you saw this. Dan Bongino, of course, is a radio host, and God bless him. I hope he overcomes his cancer. Uh, posted a video from 2018 of a of a of a big media news report yeah. of a teacher teaching like elementary school kids how to hack the Dominion voting machine. Well, kidding. I'm and bo- how easy it is. So now I'm thinking, you know, there's no way Giuliani and Powell go on television, on the record, and say millions of votes mm-hmm. have been switched. Unless they've already got, you know, they've got evidence of it. I mean, they're not that stupid. This right. Isn't, you know, they aren't the New York Times. So th- now I'm just, I just, uh, with all the evidence that I'm aware of, I'm not a lawyer, but well, uh, I don't know how a court of law cannot consider this and say this election is bogus. We've got to overturn it. Well, uh, well, it's yes, and, and if you know, and if the courts screw us, which I don't think the Supreme Court will, as bad as Judge Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts is, I don't think they will. Even if they do, something that fundamentally wrong flips it to the state legislatures, right? And they pick the electors who right. then elect the president. And uh, I think it's tw- I think it's twenty eight, twenty two Republican at the state le- legislature level. So, you know, there you go. And then nobody will be happy, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's um, But you know what but, we we but, need to, we need to have uh, we need to have confidence in the electoral process and the election process and I certainly don't now with all the evidence that we see if in fact Well, and, and if you if you've been involved in any campaigns or elections for going back decades, you don't. Um, I I ran a county judge race, which is like the mayor of the county. Uh, in Travis County, Texas, in 2002, which is Austin. So it's a suicide mission for a Republican. My old joke was, Austin is nice because it's so close to Texas. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, you, you watch all the... They, they had early voting vans. And, 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 and Austin's bifurcated by Interstate 35. At the time, it's changed now. East of 35 was poor. West of 35, you started getting into the wealthy areas. Well, those... Early voting vans never went to 35, yeah. ever. Yeah. In the entire, you know, for, for two months of rolling around on wheels, they never made it west of 35. I mean, you saw stuff like this all the time. Um, and so, you know, th- this has been institutional. And because I think Trump won by such a wide margin, they ha- the, the, the cheating had to be so institutional and fundamental that maybe we can actually catch it this time. Yeah. Well, I think all the data and the evidence is there, and uh, I just hope there's a court of law that will address it, Seaton. You know what? Uh, I'm off to get eye surgery this morning, so I'm going to have to truncate this discussion just a oh, little no. bit. Oh, <laughs> no! Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. I have a cataract surgery, so I already had one eye done. I hope the second eye goes well, just yeah, that's, well. that's almost like a... a appendectomy they've done nine trillion of those things yeah, so. exactly but anyhow Seaton, yeah. i just uh, i want to just remind our listeners you can go to lessgovernment.org uh, or less government on facebook as well Seaton. i just genuinely appreciate your commentary and let's talk about this very interesting column uh next uh, thursday on thursday when you're on the show okay good luck with the good luck with the, the doctor all right thank you so much Seaton. well that's a wrap here at today's show i hope you enjoyed it uh tomorrow we're going to visit with bob levy the chairman of the cato institute also visit with Andy Joppa. He's professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, will be with us as well. He's also the author of How Everything Happened, Including Us. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. 
Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. Bob Harden.